Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of smoking audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. I mean, my dad, he used to play a game with me where he would kind of like lie and wait like an ambush in the hallways in our house around the corner in our house. This sounds like abuse. I gotta say, it was not abuse. We have a good relationship. He's a good man. But he would, I was a kid, and he would pop out and just like incapacitate me in some way and be like, how do you get out of it? You always gotta be prepared. So I love that so much. Him just popping around a corner and being like, should have been ready. You should have yeah. been ready. Now, now you're gone. So it was always some real like, you know, behind the Domino's Pizza style, like karate moves he was teaching me. They, they were not real karate. Cause then when I did go to a real karate class and tried to show them my quote unquote self-defense, they were like, what is this ghetto shit? It's like, uh, you can't just bite a man's inner thigh, Tawny. They're, that's not karate. That's just the thing your daddy said to do. That's just street fighting from the 60s, Tawny. <laughs> There it is. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another phenomenal episode of My Mama Told Me, the podcast where we've dived deep, deep, deep into the pockets of black conspiracy theories. And we work to finally find out Oprah's favorite flavor of orphan blood. Which orphan does she like to drink the most? Personally, I think she likes Icelandic orphan blood. That would be my guess. I know, I know you're going to say, well, Oprah clearly hates the black community. She would obviously drink the blood of small black children. Of course she does. But the truth is, Oprah wants something exotic. She wants to taste that rare blood. And there's nothing rarer than a little Icelandic baby without a family. That's what Oprah's into. That's the rumor I'm spreading. Hey, it's me. It's your host, Langston Kermit, as always. I don't know why I talk like this. It's a complicated algorithm that turned me into the person I am today. But you know who's not a trash person? You know who doesn't talk like an insane person constantly? It's my guest today. She's fantastic. You know her from Space Force. You know her from Star Trek Lower Decks. You know her from... She basically has a monopoly on all black lady space stuff at this point. She's hilarious. You love her. You know her. Give it up for Tawny Newsom, everybody. Oh, thank you, my adoring public. Yes, you're adoring. They're here. They adore you. How are you? They showed up. I'm good. I'm good. (laughs) That's, I mean, that's the opposite of what I told you when I logged into the Zoom. Off mic, I think I said, I'm all right. Sure. 
And then no, on my head really, go, I'm good. <laughs> you turned it up for the audience. You were like, yeah, Even a <laughs> you were a completely audience. different person <laughs> behind the scenes. You got a real Ellen DeGeneres vibe about you at this point, given the, yep. the shift, if you but will. But I flip it. I'm a monster for everything public facing. And then in private, I'm very uh, kind and sweet. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So shut the fuck up. <laughs> shut the fuck up and watch me dance real mad to this music. Speaking of music, this theme song is perfect. Perfect. Oh, thank you so much. It was done by a, a hilarious comedian and very talented man. I always say he's the most talented person I know. This guy, Nick Chambers, who's a comedian out in New York now. And I resent him very much for having so many <laughs> gifts. He did the artwork for our show. He did the music for our show. And uh, he has all the hatred that's bubbling in my heart for the skills that I don't have. Sure. But it's good to have yeah. someone like that in your corner rather than against you. Sure. Exactly. <laughs> he is like a member of the Expendables for me. You know what I mean? He's my Sylvester Stallone, if you will. Mm -hmm. I, I've, I've heard of that movie. It's a movie? Sure. It's a show? <laughs> Is it comic book? It's, a, it's it's three movies. It's a Shit. it's a powerful franchise at this point. Wow, I have been asleep on that. I'm sorry. I didn't know what that sure. was. Sure. And to be honest, you didn't come here to talk expendables. That's a different podcast. You I would have turned here... that down. <laughs> I would have said I can't I'm busy. I can't do it. I'm so sorry. Just because I didn't know, not because I have anything against it. I don't know it. Sure. Good for you for having that level of self-control where you're like, right, I'm i going to step out of this one, guys. This isn't for me. I'd have signed up and been like, yeah, let's talk. I don't know. I'll try right, my best. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm excited to get and excited feels like almost the wrong phrasing here, but I am eager to get into mm. the conspiracy theory that you sent our way because it I would say it's a pretty heavy one. It's a sturdy conspiracy theory to be digging into but you said my mama told me birth control trials in africa are being used for mass sterilization mm -hmm. it, it is heavy hearing it out loud feels different than when you just type some stuff and go hey can we talk about this sure. hearing it out loud <laughs> i'm like ooh. Birth control trial. Ooh, sterilization. Ooh, Africa. These are big words. These are big ideas. This is deep mm -hmm. shit we're talking about. Yeah, so this one walks the line of like, I don't know how much conspiracy theory it really is just. Uh, yeah. Or, or is it just like a little bit of extrapolation on facts? Because. Right. The facts are that they did, you know, test drugs like Depo-Provera, which women my age might know as like the birth control shot, which was available, mm -hmm. I think, in the 90s. I don't know. They they tested that on women in then called Rhodesia, I guess, Zimbabwe in the 70s. And the women were coerced into taking it. You know, they were asked to take it in exchange for things they needed, like food and water mm -hmm. and medical supplies and stuff. So it wasn't, you know... The trials weren't on the up and up, to say the least. And yeah. then there was also, there was the other one, Norplant. They mm -hmm. used to test that out on women. But, you know, all these women had these massive side effects and a lot of women became sterile. And it's not that far of a jump to be like, hmm, so this is a whole continent where for centuries, missionaries and well-meaning whites have been going down there and being like, oh, the African people, such a vibrant people, you know, the whole monolith, the whole continent, what a vibrant people. But if they could only control their population, they can't even if, feed these children, you know. And so there's if we this could like, just if we could just get these savages to maybe produce a little fewer, less, just, just fewer, a little such a less vibrant. Oh, the baskets they make. They make such beautiful <laughs> baskets. Just fewer children. Let's sneak some shit into their morning sh breakfast, you know, like. Mm -hmm. It's not that far-fetched. I have no yeah. proof. So this is I, a reckless theory. No, I, and let's let's start right from where you started, right from the beginning. I think I think when I originally read your conspiracy theory, I was like, okay, this is just true. <laughs> this yeah. is just like, and again, my brain is filled with nonsense. So I immediately was like, fact, what are we doing? This is, she doesn't know how conspiracy theories work. Right. But I do think that, to your point, it sort of is one of those things that is hedging both truth and conspiracy theory that like the truth is that these trials are 100 percent real. The question is, what was the intention 
behind these trials? Was it in fact for population control or was it just like, oh, y'all were trying some stuff out and it went awry? Right. You were just trying some shit out on people you felt like were expendable, basically, Mm -hmm. which is sinister in and of itself. And that is definitely what happened. So even the truth is real dark and fucked up. Um, Yeah. You're you're welcome for me picking this one. And the conspiracy theory (laughs) is like fucking, you know, villainous and sinister. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, I just fully believe it. I feel like I don't even need this. Is one of those dangerous ones where I'm just like, I don't even need proof. I, I hear it. Sure. I'm like, yeah, that's what they're doing. They're trying to kill us all. And that's <laughs> the, the hard ones to sort of wrestle with. Right. Is like even if in some conversation with a the person, they were like, well, actually, this is the true thing behind what you're saying. Or here's some facts you may not have considered. There's still a part of you that's like, no, nah, motherfucker, I know. Right. I, 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 you could try to trick me all you want into thinking that like white people had a moral ground in their approach to giving drugs to people who didn't realize they were taking these kinds of drugs or this severe of a drug. But no, right. you know what you were doing. You know what you were doing. Because this shit was like the 70s. Like, yes, it's been going on long before that. But this specific birth control shit, this is the 70s. You know where else you could have tested out your brand new fangled birth control drug? Boston, mm-hmm. bitch. Yep. Like, try it out in <laughs> Massachusetts. And see how got, women do. You got this white ass state, Maine, filled with <laughs> with toothless hillbillies. You could test it on them. Why'd hey, you go no, all the go way to Zimbabwe? No, I, <laughs> I love Maine. Shout out to Maine. No, but okay, truly. my bad. I didn't realize that's where your fan base was located. Oh yeah, I get a lot of a uh, lot of hits and streams from Maine. Um, <laughs> no, but truly, truly, if it's all innocent, there's people everywhere. You could get white women from you know all kinds of places. You get all kinds of colors of women. You don't have to go to a whole ass continent that has been tested on for centuries. I don't know, mm-hmm. but this is the sort of thing that like makes me wary of trying out anything. Like yeah, the COVID vaccine try, no. Dog. I'll, no, I'm waiting like Hold on. five that's, years. I'm gonna stop you right there. So that's how they get you. That's how they get you. I'm terrified. I'll be honest, Ooh. I'm terrified of that vaccine and not because I, I think, to your point, I think I want to take it, right? Like, I want mm-hmm. to be free of whatever this is. Boy, would I love to get back to doing stand-up and being out in the world and, like, going to clubs and parties with my friends and shit. But at the same time, there is just too much history of manipulation with faulty drugs for me to feel confident that putting this needle in my body is just going to be an A-OK decision. Yep. Yeah. I mean, especially with those reports of them giving shit for free to all the HBCUs. It's like, this is not free. This is not free. Everyone be Uh -uh. suspicious. Be suspicious. Why are you going to give all these black college students? Again, Boston. There's a lot of colleges in Boston. (laughs) Right. You don't have to give it to the Harvard kids. Give it to the the lesser colleges. (laughs) You've got all these UMasses around there that you could clearly give this drug to. Now, Langston, you keep taking what I'm saying and you twist it so that I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> Listen, I think what Tawny's trying to say is give it to the white pores. Wait, the, wait, wait, the... wait, wait, wait. Now, wait. <laughs> She's being very clear and I'm not manipulating this at all. She is articulating herself perfectly. I am merely backing her up. I'm a pip. She's Gladys Knight. This is this is a clear conversation. Wait, were you really a pip? When we oh, in the no, I was uh, <laughs> for our listeners. We were in Sherman Showcase, a wonderful show on Hulu. Now I have seen Hulu, and you played Diana Ross. <gasps> yes, you were Smokey, right? I was Smokey Robinson. That's right. <sighs> perfect. And I was it, uh, constantly wavering between making a full commitment to a Smokey <laughs> Robinson voice. Or just letting my regular voice be. Because, <laughs> you know, it, when you're doing a character, it's like, okay, am I going to be fully in the character and do like a yeah. Jay Farrow impression? Or am I just going to like be funny by my, you know, in my own yeah. voice as is? I think we were all like one foot in and out of the, the full sure. commitment on that. I will say I was truly stunned in the most impressed possible way with your Diana Ross impression. It felt. Oh, thank you. I, I feel like I was doing amazing. the same thing as you. I was like doing the breathy voice and the wispy walk. And then every now and then I'd just be like, man, fuck this. I was like, oh, that's just, <laughs> that's just me. Whoops. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> okay. 
Talk to me about where you first became aware of this conspiracy theory. When did this first come to your world, if you will? So I was in college in Chicago and I didn't have any money and I didn't have any health insurance and I needed to go for my yearly like pap smear. And so I went to this really cool clinic. I don't know if they're still in business, but they were called the Chicago Women's Health Center. And everybody mm-hmm. on campus knew about them because you could go and they had like a sliding scale office visit. So you could show up and pay zero dollars. You could pay forty dollars, whatever. And oh, everyone. Yeah, it was a really cool resource. I used them a lot when I didn't have insurance. They would sit there with you for an hour and talk to you. every appointment was like an hour, I feel like. And they would talk to you about all your birth control options. They would talk to you about health stuff. They just like took away the stigma about talking about those things. So I got you. I went to them and I was looking for I wasn't even looking for birth control, but they were like, oh, well, if you're active, do you want to get on some? And I was like, sure. I've never really taken it before. And they were like, well, why don't you research some and come back? So I did like super cursory research and came back. And I think I maybe I pitched you doing one of the shots like the Depo Provera or whatever its later incarnations were. You went in and you were like, give me the most dangerous one, please. Yeah, (laughs) truly, because I think and I might be mixing them up. It's been a long time since I've thought about these old school like birth control methods. But I think that was the one that you just took the shot like three or four times a year and Mm -hmm. you like didn't get a cycle. You didn't have a a period. And so I was like, oh, I want that. I want my life to stop being (laughs) fucked up once a month. And I'm this trying to woman, be a gymnast from now right. on. Let's do let's do that one. <laughs> exactly. Just like get me on the high beam. <laughs> yeah, but so this woman like straight up sat me down and was like, "Let me tell you the shady past with this stuff." And blah blah and like wow. walked me through everything and I thought I have never heard a healthcare provider. I'm sure there are great doctors who do that now, but I've never heard a healthcare provider straight up be like okay, you don't want this drug and it's for like social political fucked up reasons as opposed to just like, maybe try orthotricycline instead. It's better for your height and weight or whatever. So ever since then, I I was like, oh shit, this, and they're doing it to black people? And then I think I just extrapolated from there or like went down a YouTube rabbit hole or something, I'm sure. Right. I don't think I've ever had a medical professional do that either. Like that's a pretty bold choice on their end. To be like, yo, not only is this potentially dangerous to your body, but also think about all these people that they tested it on or the ways that this drug came to be. That's not a conversation that I think medical professionals are are wanting to have, certainly even having. They're probably not supposed to do that. I mean, like, Mm-mm. I don't know how like pharma sales works and shit, but sure. like, I guess because they were like a hippie free clinic, they could do whatever they wanted. But yeah. I do love the idea that there's some dude from big pharma, like waiting in her office after she talks to you. Just <laughs> like Diane, I heard what you said in there. She's like, I can't we're... help myself. I got to tell them about it. What did we talk about, Diane? Oh, Sorry. I like that that guy hangs out in her office just waiting to scold her. He's like, you told him our big secret again, Diane. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's not like a good sinister dude. He's <laughs> no. just like a clumsy boss who's like, yeah. come on, you said you wouldn't tell. <laughs> now he's sweet. Now I think yeah, he's, he's a good. Honestly, he's a good guy, except for the fact that he works for a uh, billion dollar murder corporation. Everything else about him is he's yeah. solid, dude. Yep. <laughs> OK, so you hear this. You go to this office. She breaks it all down for you. And obviously you say, OK, cool. I'm not going to take that one. Do you then go back and like find yourself in like a YouTube uh, rabbit hole where you're like discovering all this truth? Or are you just like, OK. That's information. And now I'm going to go about my day. I'm struggling to remember because this was probably like 2004. This is a long time ago. But I Mm. think I probably heard enough to be like, oh, they tested on people and that's fucked up. I probably went one step further with the Google into like, you know, Hotep tree, the Venn diagram (laughs) of like Hotep conspiracy theories that also aligns with like 
white women kind of UCLA reproductive health hippie ladies can sometimes sure. get very, very like a one circle. And um, yeah, there, there's probably a crossover between Dr. Umar Johnson and Goop somewhere. There's like a Venn diagram sure. where they meet, you know, for sure. There's all <laughs> a little bit of like pseudoscience, but it's because some there's an oppressor, you know? Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think I went one layer deep. And saw, you know, got to the point of like, and they're doing this intentionally in order to sterilize and control the population. And I just went, yeah, that's truth. And I just accepted it as truth as though mm. that medical professional had told me that part when she definitely did not. <laughs> uh, I got you. That's where you were like, I got this, doc. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll take it from here. Yep. I got enough information to now make some much bigger conclusions from everything that you've said. Absolutely. Oh, and I'm sure I've passed it off on, on a podcast or something, just like it's accepted fact. Like, I think the line for me got blurred long ago, and it's probably not yeah. until we decided to talk about this that I really thought about, like, wait, what's the part that I actually heard? And what's the part that I, like, <laughs> read in comments on, like, a, <laughs> a, a Turns out newspaper that doctor, post? <laughs> that doctor wasn't irresponsible at all. It was me. I was the monster in this whole story. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I, I guess I did hand out flyers uh, saying this is fact. Um. <laughs> I did start my campus's anti-birth control <laughs> organization, but otherwise, I think I handled it pretty well. And see, that is where it goes full hotep, right? Is where it's like, then it becomes, don't take any birth control because it's all here to sterilize you. It's all the white man trying to sterilize black women. Yeah. Like, that's what it just fully then goes away from like feminism and like body autonomy to have like men telling us not to take birth control because of like made up race shit. Yeah, I, I don't know if you've ever heard this, but I certainly heard it for years was that one of the counter arguments for Planned Parenthood that I always heard that mm. was specifically from black people was that Planned Parenthood was an organization spawned from eugenics. Yep. That this was like an organization built by a person who intentionally wanted to like sterilize the black and brown communities yeah have you gone into that one ever on the show or have you looked into that one we have not no but i i whew, i'm excited to dig into it if you got some thoughts on it i i don't have any real vetted thoughts but what's interesting i always heard that too and now as like a, a grown thinking person my brain goes two ways and I could have learned this with a simple Google. I'm sure I, I did not do that, dear listener. So sorry. Um, <laughs> it could be that someone who was a believer in eugenics, even a proponent of it, was there at the start of Planned Parenthood. Yes. And then the organization turned into what we know it as now, which is just healthcare for women and people who can't get pregnant. But the other part of my brain goes, so... If this isn't true at all, if there was no one involved in eugenics, the point of this conspiracy theory, like the reason things like this get seeded now on Reddit and places like that. But back in the day, the reason why these things get floated around to the black community is to push the anti-choice agenda, is to push the idea mm -hmm. that uh, abortion is bad. You know, choice is bad because it's, you know, spawned from Planned Parenthood, which is trying to sterilize us. And we know that black people are a faith filled group of people in general. So yeah. the idea of pushing the anti-choice agenda and that all ties back to i will never not say this it all ties back to the fact that when people who can get pregnant have children that are unplanned at an early age or at an unplanned time in their life they are significantly less likely to pursue higher education pursue mm -hmm. advanced careers and they are way more likely to vote gop so it, there is yeah. nothing about it that is Oh, we have to save a life. The fetus, it's a life. It is strictly a way to funnel people out of education, out of the workforce and into the cold, dead, stupid arms of the GOP. Yeah, I think to your point, there is so much of it that is just rooted in intentional manipulation. And so even if there was some person that was a part of the conception of Planned Parenthood that did have eugenics ideals, right? They're mm -hmm. not involved anymore. 
they're not like leading the charge for what Planned Parenthood represents. And so it's the, it's no different than when the fucking like Republicans go, you know, Abe Lincoln was a Republican. Right. It's like, yeah, motherfucker, but y'all wouldn't rockin' with the same politics. You just right. had the same title and that title changed. You know, the Democrats were the ones that were in charge of slavery. And it's like, yeah, but they like a different kind of slavery now. Relax. Yeah. <laughs> it's flavored different. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I totally agree. It's like, even if that person was involved, and again, I could have Googled this. I didn't. If there was someone involved early on, the, the net good that an organization like Planned Parenthood has done now far outweighs whoever fucking started it. And like, yeah, population control in that way has not been proven. I'm far yes. more likely to believe this type of shit is more what's proven because it's not happening on our soil. Right. Right. That I mean, maybe they're testing. Oh, we'll get into that. But I, <laughs> I will say that to your point, it is a lot easier for them to get away with these things in spaces where we're less willing to check or even less willing to care than yep. like right in front of us. And you could argue that right in front of us uh, is super subjective because they don't give a fuck about the neighborhoods that are like legit adjacent to the ones that they live in. But that's a different layer of the conversation. I think to your ultimate point, the want is manipulation. It is completely to control and trick and take advantage of the groups of people that they're telling this somewhat false information to. Yeah, so I have you on my side then. You believe my conspiracy. Oh, first of all, let me be clear. I believe almost every conspiracy theory, and you are not special. I was okay. bought in before you even got into it. But, okay. but I will say you have done a phenomenal job of selling me in a reasonable way that makes me believe it for good reason and not just because I'm a defiant human being. Oh, yes. I love that. I love when. <laughs> yeah. I love when I can win over someone rooted in ridiculousness. Sure. That, I love it. <laughs> I love when I get a cartoon character to agree with me. Oh, what a dream. <laughs> Let me ask you the, this last question before we go to break. You've talked about the injection and specifically like getting this information from this medical professional going back and saying, I no longer plan to you know, get at least this version of birth control. Did that taint your relationship with birth control from that point forward? Were you then like weary of all birth control? Were you like, nah, just that one. I'm good. I'm on chill. Oh, no, you're right. It totally made my brain spiral and go, this is just the shit we know about. This is just the shit right. they're telling us. And it made me go, mm -hmm. all this shit is fucked up. They're trying to sterilize all of it. Like, it definitely made me paranoid. And I did end yeah. up using a couple different types throughout my life. But like, I would be lying if I said I didn't still every time there's a new ad for some new birth control. I'm like, where'd that come from? Where'd they test that? <laughs> What's the secret behind that one? <sighs> so I'm damaged. I love that. I love the idea of you watching those commercials where it's some lady playing in the park because she ain't got a, a baby. She gets to be playing. as free as she wants to be. And you're just like, nah, there's some sinister nah. shit going on here. Nah, what happened in Swaziland, though? What they do in Swaziland? Mm -mm. I don't trust it. I guess we should all be right. doing that for all drugs, though. Like, fuck drugs, you know? Yeah, I think that's true. That should be the instinct in watching every single drug commercial. Too many of these commercials are literally just a list of horrifying things that will happen to your body. And we're just like, well, I, I don't know. I guess mm -hmm. if it's going to make me smile a little more than I smiled yesterday, <laughs> I'll take some diarrhea. <laughs> you know, I'll take a little diarrhea if it means I'm going to smile while I eat my Cheerios instead of be, be all frowny and stuff. <laughs> oh, God. Just, yeah, torso numbness. That doesn't seem so bad for most of the day. I don't yeah, need I a torso help. to feel. I can't feel my, my middle section, but goddamn, do hey. I smile. <laughs> <laughs> you can wipe the feeling out of my body, but you can't wipe this smile off of my face. Thank you. Yep. Uh, drug. <laughs> smile Vera. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break and we'll be back with more Tawny News and more My Mama Told Me.
Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Jean Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. And we are back. to shmeet his meat with this shit bro what the fuck hell yeah we're back here with more tawny newsome more my mama told me we're still talking about the risk the danger the sinister work that birth control and the operators of birth control are doing in the background potentially sterilizing entire nations of people entire continents of people so besides them was it zimbabwe that you said was where they initially I can't remember if that was Norplant or Deborah Provera, but it was in the 70s and it was when it was called Rhodesia. And that's mm. where they were like really coercing women to like, hey, try this new thing. Were there other nations where you were hearing that a similar thing was happening or was it just there? No, but I do feel like anytime I have a really close friend who works in reproductive health and mm -hmm. I feel like she's been in this field for a long time. And so if I mention these things like in a stupid, flippant way, she speaks about them in a casual, very knowledge-filled way where she's just like, oh, right. yeah. I mean, well, of course, the thing that happened in Kenya. And I'm always kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I pretend to know, but I don't actually know. But I do get a <laughs> sense that there are multiple accounts of drug trials like this from a lot of different countries. There are. And this brings us, I think, in a in a very smooth, not at all set up way to the research uh, <laughs> that I did. And I'm so glad that you mentioned Kenya because Kenya is, in fact, one of the places where, at least in the research that I did, it seems that a very sinister effort was made on the part of not only like the government, as it were, but like the World Health Organization and the United Nations seem to like team up on some like super friend shit to try to just basically test and ruin the lives of these Kenyan women. Oh, shit. See, I definitely did not know this. And I said, Kenya, like just taking a shot in the at the dartboard of Africa. And look well, at that. sister, you nailed it. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> you did it. It was the correct answer for either uh, giraffes or uh -huh, uh -huh. <laughs> birth control trials on women that lead to sterilization. Those were your two options. So I'll, I'll run you through what I found. In the early 90s, uh, researchers figured out 
that basically by mixing these two drugs, this human coronic gondotropin, I don't know words, with a tetanus shot, they created a permanent sterilization for women under the guise of like an effective tetanus vaccine. That like they could fake a tetanus vaccine and then simultaneously sterilize a lady at the exact same time. And so they took this vaccine, the United Nations and the World Health Organization teamed up and they took this vaccine to basically be carried out in Mexico in 1993, the Philippines and Nicaragua in 1994, and then Peru in 1995. And so one of the things that was sort of an issue with this vaccine, even though it worked effectively to sterilize these women, it took five shots to do it, which is a big ask in a developing country to ask women to come back for five separate shots over the course of six months. But they figured out a way to promote tetanus vaccines in the country to be like, you got to get a tetanus vaccine. This is a big <sighs> deal. Tetanus is everywhere. Blah, blah, there's, blah. There's and rusty she, metal shit everywhere. Look yeah, around you. <laughs> look at all come this on. metal. You're going to get cut. You got to come get this vaccine. You got to. <laughs> and so they're promoting this and women are going to get it. And the only reason they got caught is because doctors like local doctors, much like the one that stepped in in your life, were like, yo, the normal tetanus vaccine only takes two to three shots. Why are y'all asking them to take five shots for an otherwise Ooh. similar vaccine? And so then the World Health Organization and the United Nations like packed up their shit and were like, oh, I don't know what happened. Bye. And just no. left. <laughs> oh, my God. So this is real. This is not even a conspiracy. This is a real. These are facts. These are 100 percent facts. And so here's where it gets even crazier, because that's happening in the early to mid 90s. Right. Peru is the last one. That's 1995. Now, in 2014, the World Health Organization and United Nations team up again to do the exact same thing in Kenya. No. They go to Kenya to, to basically replicate, to bring it back. Like they, you know, they're bringing back the Fresh Prince. They're bringing back this tetanus <laughs> trial. And, no. and they go to Kenya to try it out again. And the only reason, again, they get caught is because a bunch of Kenyan officials are like, no, mm -mm, there's a history with y'all. You mm -hmm. look, we're all for like helping our people and getting them vaccinated and healthy and blah, blah, blah. But whatever you're doing, it ain't sitting right with us. And they See, they get exposed. This is why this is why it's a slippery slope to becoming an anti-vaxxer, because it's mm -hmm. just one more click over to wild thought land to be like, well, you can't trust any vaccine. Then they're all trying to do something nefarious. Right. Like, how do you yes. maintain a, a sensible brain when nefarious shit like this is going on? Sure. And so here's where it's going to make you even more of an anti-vaxxer if you weren't already. <laughs> Again, We're Blakeson, I am not an anti-vaxxer. The poll quotes from this Tawny, episode are going to kill my career. Tawny, everything you said has been clear. You're opposed <laughs> to vaccines. Jenny oh, McCarthy God. is your favorite actress. I'm so Everything sorry, my, you said. My publicist is calling me right now. Are you live streaming this? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay, okay, so what happened next? God. So it's not so much next, but it's actually more of the history of uh, this type of sterilization in America that like this is not the foreign sort of like dangerous thing for other countries that we've been sort of like framing it as it's 100 percent something that has been happening in America and continues to happen in America. Beginning in 1909 and continuing through the 1970s, the U.S. developed a number of something uh, basically called asexualization acts, which led to more than 20,000 sterilizations in California alone. Just California. These are actual laws being so created what, what what's the end game was it was it racially motivated were they trying to control certain aspects of the population or just population control in general it absolutely was a form of population control and i think what you're asking is an important one but it was rooted in sort of like getting rid of what they basically considered traits that were not ideal in human oh. human beings okay. so like it's a form of eugenics, but it was like basically saying this type of person tends to be more violent or less hardworking or less yeah. uh, less of an asset 
to the human experience and therefore we will control their population and not allow them to have more children. And got it. Obviously, who they picked was more often than not black and brown people. Sure, because they're like, hmm, okay, so we just want a collection of really great traits for the human race. Yep. So let's not have any like um what do you, what is it like wide noses or like you know like full lips. Like kinky hair is definitely not gonna take us to victory as a human race. Um okay. Hmm, what is that? Like just ban black mm. people. So many different Listen, words for just I'm not I don't want to pick a race. I don't want to pick a race. That's no, not I don't my style. No. It's not <laughs> about just race. certain things I like and certain yeah. things that I think are just more important than other things. Yeah, more things. hireable, you know. Like I just think like very fair, just very burnable skin. Just skin that can't even hear about the sun, I think is the most professional. <laughs> so what makes it even more fascinating is that in 1927, one of the reasons that this became like a, a big deal is that in 1927, this lady, Carrie Buck, who's this poor white lady in Virginia, is sterilized under a new law that the Virginia government approves. The reason they, they sterilized Carrie is that Carrie's mother had been involuntary institutionalized for being what they called basically promiscuous and crazy. Like they were basically mm. calling her like a, a loose nutcase. Um, <laughs> and Carrie was assumed to have inherited those exact same traits and was sterilized after giving birth. That they were like, oh, wow. mm. Your mom was wild. We can't risk the chance of you being wild. We're going to cut that off. Oh, my God. We're passing a law called an end to the crazy fast bitches. Um, <laughs> no more. If you're crazy and you fast, you can't have children anymore. We're going to tear your uterus. Hold on now. Them titties out and you talking a little wild. We, we might have to sterilize you. We might have to put you down. Every uncle in that state voted for this. <laughs> of course. This Just every uncle. <laughs> and you oh, know no, there's can... something there's something sick in them where it was not only did they want to sterilize them to keep them from reproducing, but it also was like, also I'm trying to fuck and not have any repercussions. I'm trying to I'm trying to bust the nut and it not have any risk on the other end of like being punished. By having Jesus. some baby with a crazy lady. And we were worried this topic would be too dark, but we're doing great. We're doing yeah, great. We're, we're killing it. I'm so proud of us. Let's see how long we can maintain this because it keeps getting darker. Now, in this same period between the 1920s and the 1970s, this Supreme Court case, the one with Carrie Buck, led because she loses the case, right? She basically like complains that, hey, this is fucked up. I should have never been sterilized and takes it all the way to the Supreme Court and loses. And then that case basically like solidifies this law into place and leads to the sterilization of 65,000 Americans with mental health illnesses and developmental disabilities from the 1920s to the 1970s. I can't even process that. 65,000 people all because this lady's mom had a hard time and she had a baby who right. wasn't having a hard time, who was fine. Who was fine. And they thought that shit was genetic. They thought like what was surely just the pressures and stressors of the time of being a woman in the time and being poor that made her run her mouth probably. Yeah. They thought that that shit was genetic. Oof. Exactly. Oh my God. I would have been murdered. I couldn't be from the past. If I lived in the past, <laughs> they would have killed my ass so be. fast. <laughs> I couldn't be from the past is maybe my favorite quote anybody's ever said out loud. <laughs> hey, dog, I couldn't be from the past. Not me. No, they will. They would murder, murder me like real murder. Oh, man, this is where it gets even crazier is that there's also something called uh, Mississippi appendectomies. Have you heard of a Mississippi appendectomy? No. Oh, of course not. It is not, <laughs> is although it does sound delicious. It sounds like it's going to hit you in that spot that none of us know where it is in your body and like you know. get you real fucked up. But a Mississippi appendectomy, and we've talked about this once before on the podcast, but a Mississippi appendectomy was a name for an unnecessary hysterectomy performed on black women specifically at teaching hospitals in the South. That like basically they were teaching medical students how to like do stuff as medical professionals and in the process also taking women's uteruses out. Jesus, did the, 
I know the answer to this, but did the women know? Were the women uh, no, informed they at didn't. all? <laughs> of course, of course. Not. I don't know why I asked that. I just needed, <laughs> I needed to ask it, and I don't know why. This is I love terrible. the idea though that they sat her down and were like, "Miss Johnson, uh, <laughs> I know you came in here to get your tonsils out, but we've got some other exciting opportunities that we're we're laying out for you. Is it optional? No, it is not, Miss Johnson. No, it is not. Uh, You're here. We're going to take that uterus, but you should know before we do it. Jesus, I mean, well, I don't know why I'm shocked. I mean, it's happening now. The story about the ICE detention centers where there are mm -hmm. all these hysterectomies happening. And I think because I was already bought into the now not so conspiracy side of this conspiracy theory, you know, it's obviously so upsetting and horrifying, but I absolutely was not shocked to read it. Like, yes. It's one of those things where it's like, all right, I'm not surprised, but damn, this hurts my heart. To your point, it's like a, a tragic thing because we want to believe that like, okay, we worked through this shit. We got to a point where like, at least as a civilization, we're not just going to steal women's uteruses in their sleep. If we're gonna mistreat people, we'll do it when they're awake and they're at least like aware of what's happening to them. But no, it's quite the opposite. It's like very sinister, intentional shit that's been happening for hundreds of years. That's fucking wild. Yeah, it, it's wild the way that we treat people who we don't think are ours, like as a country. Mm -hmm. And that includes yep. immigrants and people who aren't citizens, but also just like black and brown people. Like it is wild the fucking hoops and hoopla and nonsense, you know, the right will jump through to talk about unborn lives and protecting the poor and blah, blah. And it's just white people. Apparently, we just care about white people. And that's never 100%. been more apparent. Yes, it, it's not even kind of a conversation about like and, and part of the reason that even this lady, Carrie Buck, is a person in history is because she was a white woman who had this bad thing that was happening nationally to so many other women happen yes. to her. If this was a black woman, she doesn't even get to go to the Supreme Court about this shit. She just right. takes the L and you don't get no babies no more. No more babies. No more a part of your body what a dark yeah. what a dark terrible topic i've chosen um yeah I'm glad to listen. not <laughs> i'm glad to not be so ignorant about it though and to be like oh no this shit is really happening okay i don't have a uterus i never have but i have to imagine getting it taken out you're gonna hear a little hollow uh like thong you know what i mean like the dong when you hit a door and it, it's hollow you, you hear that I've only ever had a tooth taken out. That's all that's been removed from my body forcibly. So I can't weigh in. I can't weigh in. <laughs> so here's where it gets even darker. It, no! <laughs> as if you needed more darkness. It is estimated that 25 to 50 percent of Native American women were sterilized between 1970 and 1976. Six years. I feel like I did hear about this now. I feel like I've been hearing murmurs about this, but tell me the details because I obviously don't know. I don't think I know many details either, but I think it just in the same way that, you know, smallpox was an intentional murdering off of people. I think that there was an effective plan put in place to sterilize Native American women across this nation so much so sure. that they got half of them which would answer the question of why the population, amongst a plethora of other reasons, why the mm -hmm. population of these Native American groups continues to shrink and disappear across our country. Right. Along with like improper access to just basic health care. Exactly. Them. I know that's a massive problem. Do you feel like, I'm sure you've talked about this on the pod before, but the whole adage of like, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not out to get you. Do you feel like for black and brown people, especially, there is often there's often no line. There's no clear line between which of these things are wild ass conspiracies and because of the wild ass shit that has been done to us and people like us. Yes. And I, I know I was being silly in the last segment, but I do think that that's part of the reason I'm so immediately bought in on so many conspiracy theories is not yeah. because I genuinely believe that, like, there's a guy up in a scary tower who's twiddling his fingers and thinking about evil shit to do to us. But I do think that so much of the way that our society is built is on sinister shit that people thought was effective or efficient or whatever it was. And so now it can't be uncooked 
from the way that mm -hmm. we treat people or the way that we interact with communities, right? So yep. like you don't get to steal away the ability to procreate for half of an entire species of people and then treat them like human beings, right? You can't do that and then go back and be like, all right, we're good, we're square. Yeah, everything's um, normal and, now, we learned. <laughs> yeah, what did you learn? You effectively, <laughs> you know, wiped them out. Yeah. So there is no learning, which means you'll continue to mistreat them or continue to do something awful to them because what the fuck else are you gonna do? Yeah. And I mean, and now I'm sitting here spinning about why, you know, I mean, in black culture, there's such a weight placed on like knowledge and keeping a sharp eye and like, mm -hmm. you know, don't be caught slipping, like don't, you know, not being caught off guard by tricks like this and by things like yes. this. Okay. I'll tell you one more sad thing and then we'll, <laughs> we'll maybe have a breath. We'll get to take a second away from all of this heavy shit. And I should say, before I tell you this final thing, I did not have nearly enough time to be able to dig into all of the examples of sterilization that have happened nationally, internationally, any of that stuff. But sure. one of the final things, and I think it would be unfair to talk about sterilization without bringing up Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico apparently is known and it's understood to be the most sterilized place on this planet Earth. That like really? nowhere else has suffered from sterilization more than Puerto Rico. And between the 1930s to the 1970s, Puerto Rico had nearly one third of its female population sterilized. One third of the entire island was sterilized by, I presume, just a bunch of different governments and people coming in and being like, nope, we don't like y'all. Y'all dumb as hell. Y'all ugly. We gonna sterilize you. Y'all ugly. I wonder if it was drug trials again or if it was just straight up like no artifice at all. Just like come in here to get sterilized. and You have no choice. I have to imagine that it was a combination of of all of the above. That mm. it's like this became in, much in the way that like New Mexico becomes the testing ground for our bombs. Mm -hmm. Like this just becomes like the testing ground for all the things that we decide we want to do both, you know, in our own backyards and across other countries. It's like mm -hmm. you got this little island filled with brown people who nobody otherwise gives a fuck about. We'll do whatever we want to them. God damn. Man, I said before I couldn't be from the past. I don't think I can be from now. <laughs> I'm having a hard time being from now. Listen, I don't want to be from the future, which is a complicated place to be in as a person who's going to keep living. I have yeah. to keep living, but I don't want to be a part of none of this shit. It's wild. We should both not exist. <laughs> That's the only way to cure these feelings. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to plot how we end our lives, and uh, we'll be back with more Tony Newsome and more My Mama Told Me. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. 
Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. We're back here with more Tawny News and more My Mama Told Me. I love the look on everyone's face when they realize that that's not the same song that they thought it was going to be. And it turns into something else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to follow it. Did a man fall down a deep well? I asked our wonderful producer, Nick, to blend the baby song from Justin Bieber that everybody loves with a <laughs> clip from uh, Intervention where a man basically has a full breakdown because his son admits to him that he feels like their relationship is permanently damaged. And that is the actual sounds of a 50 year old man crying out loud. <laughs> Mashed up with a 14 year old man on the precipice of something great. Wow. Yep. It's a classic. Mashup. Or, you know, showing his dick to us a lot. It depends on how you want to look at Justin Bieber. I don't think I was aware of the new phase of the Biebs. I did not know. Oh, you didn't know Biebs? Yeah, his penis is out a lot. Now he loves Jesus and having his penis out. But before, there was a, a phase where he was just peeing outside and sending out dick pics. He had a wild, wild middle. I don't like either one of those. And I would encourage him to find something in between the two. That's fair. And if I ever get the chance to talk to him, I'll let him know that you don't okay. care for it at all. Thank you so much. <laughs> okay, I would love to play a game. I have a, a fun game planned for us, and it's a game that I like to call White, White Lies. Lies. Ugly, you are disgusting. I'm going to kill you. Give me $200. White Lies. This is a fun game where I <laughs> am going to introduce to you a very standard, sort of widely accepted white conspiracy theory, one that, that white people tend to believe in. And what I would like for you to do is unpack why you think this conspiracy theory is so important to white people. What are these sneaky motherfuckers up to? Do you know what I mean? I do. Okay. I can't wait. The conspiracy theory that I'm going to present to you, and this one similarly is a little heavy and a little rooted in truth. The conspiracy theory that exists right now, uh, maybe you've heard that Yellowstone is actually a giant super volcano. Yellowstone Park, as we know it, is in fact a giant super volcano that if it were to explode, would wipe out all of like the United States and possibly all of North America. It's massive and it could go off at any moment. Have you heard that before? I have not. Why would they hide it being a super? OK. All right. OK. It is that part is not the the conspiracy theory that is a hundred percent true it is right that's what I mean. like on... it has geysers and like we we know that it has volcanic activity right yes exactly and it hasn't exploded for a very very long time but in theory it could explode at any moment and we would all perish now here's where the conspiracy comes in is that some people believe that the government is fully aware of the exact day and time that this geyser this giant volcano whatever you want to call it is going to blow and they are intentionally planning basically ways to protect themselves in this they being this sort of like royal they if you will and mm -hmm. leaving the whole of america the population to die in the ash that is left behind my question for you why do you think it's so important for white people to believe that the government knows when this explosion is meant to happen okay um thank you my time starts now <laughs> 
Thank you very much. Um, I think it's important for white people to know the exact date of when the volcano is going to erupt because white people always want an exact time and date for everything. You cannot mm. put them on hold on like a customer service call without saying like, we will get to you in three to six minutes. And goddamn, <laughs> if it's two minutes or eight minutes, you are get, there's going to be an, a nasty comment card filled out. So they sure. want. Uh, they want a predictable because don't leave a white person waiting, even if it's for the end of the world, even if it's for mm-hmm. the death of them and everyone they've ever met. They want to yeah. know exactly when. And they believe it's that. their right to know. Whereas, I mean, black people haven't been told shit ever. I mean, as soon as the <laughs> the boats picked us up and they didn't tell us anything. <laughs> and that's been a theme. They, yeah, they weren't like, hey, we're going to be there in uh, 16 days, y'all. So, yeah. uh <laughs> They didn't so blow a horn in. and say, 10 minutes before we leave. No, we have never known the time. That's why we are never late. We are never late. Even if we're late, we're, it's, we're not late. No one told us. And that's if you didn't tell us the time the first time, mm-hmm. we've been recalibrating from the original time you fucked up on us. You never that's why black us. people are late all the time, because you not. didn't tell us when we were leaving the first time right? from Africa. So now we're just trying to catch back up from that original fucked up date and time. Thank you. We showed up to a country that was already started that we didn't know. So we showed up late. We were late to the very first America meeting. And then Uh y'all tried to act like we fucked up when we didn't even know we were coming here. So you know what? White people always want to know when shit is happening because they believe that is their God-given right. Because they started this country on their time. And everything happens on their time. I love that. That goddamn, that's beautiful. That's called motherfucking bars, nigga. You know nothing about that. Yeah, I love that. You know why? Because I think there's so much truth in that. I think that there's so much evidence. Even now, we're in the middle of what I would argue is one of the scariest times that I've ever heard of, at least in terms of our like existence as a species on this planet. And white people are still going to Karen their way through it. They're still going Mm -hmm. to shake their heads and complain to a manager about the apocalypse that like the apocalypse is happening and you still are unsatisfied with the way that the apocalypse is happening and the timing that it all falls into yep exactly because truly like i mean and this is this is serious like before you know i I got to be on my little farrakhan-esque soapbox but like (laughs) seriously like wanting to know when and how and where things happen. It's all just a means of seizing control. And I know this Mm -hmm. because I'm a very controlling person and you and I are in a business where we have no control. So this business constantly tests us and pulls us and yanks us around. And when you are a controlling person, or let's say when you are a controlling class of people, when you're a controlling demographic because you have been given all of the control for centuries on the whole ass globe, when you are not when you don't have control over when or how or where something's going to happen that is deeply like anxiety producing so yes. of course white people want to know when the volcano is going to blow up like that's real this it may in fact comfort some of our white listeners is that it's not a shameful thing that that's your instinct because it is cooked into your experience as a white person on this planet. You have only known control, therefore to not have it, even in the face of what is completely unpredictable, you get frustrated. And so you want to create a narrative where there is a secret person or secret entity that has control over this thing, because otherwise you are trapped like all of us at the whim of a god or a, you know, a fate whatever you want to call it yeah or just wild ass nature that's terrifying because it's chaotic and yeah it's science but it's random i mean well welcome to it anyone who (laughs) struggled with (laughs) i mean you ever want to see see a real experiment is to look if you're in a supermarket and there's one long line for a cashier look at the faces of the black people versus look at the white people like truly the white people will be shifting they're uncomfortable black people are have resigned ourselves to wait we have been waiting. Yes, we wait. And yes, we might cuss somebody out in the process of waiting. Sure. We might say some shit, but we sure. more or less are going to wait our turn in that process. Whereas white people, I think, are constantly wanting to get out of the line to somehow mm-hmm. find their way in a different place in the line, which or is not why. how it ain't how it works. No, and that's not how the volcano is going to work. that's not how the volcano is going to work (laughs) i love that tawny i think we did it what a wonderful time i had a great time talking to you i had a really fun time this makes me want to like pull out all my like 
I want my glowing eyes. I want my kente cloth, my onk <laughs> earrings. I want to go full ass hotep and just like dive with you into all the conspiracies. So listen, the next time show. I see you, I hope that's what you're wearing. I pray to God that you have on the whole garb so that Hell we can yeah. have a more effective conversation together. And I promise I won't wear tie-dye so that uh, I will match your same energy. Oh, I love it. Can you tell the people where they can find you? What cool stuff you have going on? Yes, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Trondy Newman, or you can just type my real name in there and you'll find me, Tawny Newsom. Mm -hmm. um, the cool stuff I have going on is I wrote, recorded, and engineered a new album of music and i did that Whoa. all during the pandemic yeah to me and another black woman my friend bethany thomas from chicago we've been singing together forever and yeah in the middle of the summer she just drove her ass out to my house in the desert out here in la and um we made a big loud black lady punk record that we never would have had time to do if the world hadn't shut down so uh if you want to buy that that can be found. Um, there's a link in my Instagram bio, or you can go to tawnyandbethany.com. The pre-order is on Bandcamp for vinyl and stuff, but um, and digital. But uh, it'll be out everywhere, like for streaming and stuff, on October 9th. Dope. And what's it called? What's the project called? We're just using our names. So we're just Tawny Newsom and Bethany Thomas, and our album is called Material Flats. It's kind of named after the the weird hippie commune that I sort of have built for myself. So Okay. Hell yeah. yeah. I love that. What a great oh plug. I love that so much. I had no idea that you could sing and do all that cool shit. That's amazing. Well, yeah. now I'm jealous of you and I resent you the same way I resent Nick Chambers. Anyway, uh, <laughs> you could follow me at Langston Kerman on uh, all the social media platform. Nobody else wants what I got. And guess uh, they do. Not my name. That's I'm the only one. Uh, oh, I think I see, I'm the I only see. one on the planet. They're fine with my words and my face every once in a while, but they're not interested in my name. And then, oh, please, if you have drops that you want to send us, if you have conspiracies that you think are valuable for us to be talking about on the show, we would love to hear from you. Send us voice memos. Send us articles. Send us bullshit. I will sift through all of it. You can send it to my mama pod at gmail.com i believe yes okay hans is saying i'm correct it's my mama pod at gmail.com send it to me i want to see this shit and i promise that i might actually talk about it on the podcast it's a promise that i maybe will do something that is a guarantee that i might do some shit okay i talk too much bye bye <laughs> Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, kids' playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe ventilation system exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe ventilation system. You can get it installed, or DIY kits are available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com and receive 20% off today you know that feeling when you walk into your home take a deep breath and feel new well that's what it's like to use clorox Sentiva. 
because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.